Welcome back, everybody. I'm so glad you joined me again. I hope everybody is doing amazing. The weather is so hot. I could feel summer. Oh, it's beautiful. I hope you guys are getting outside and enjoying yourself. And I hope you're counting your blessings as usual. Now, today, Auntie's moving a little fast because we've got a book that's a little bit longer than the other ones, but we're still going to have a little quick conversation and see how everybody's doing. So if you checked on Instagram, I put on, um, uh, this guy is a lifeguard. His name is Joe Fortes. And he is from, well, they claim he's from Port of Spain, Trinidad and Tobago. And he moved to English Bay, B.C., somewhere before the 1900s. And now Joe seemed to like to swim a lot. So Joe became a self-appointed lifeguard. Now, if you don't know what a self-appointed lifeguard is, is he just went down to the bay and decided he's going to keep watch over everybody swimming. And he also would teach the children how to swim. And everybody loved him. They called him Big Black Joe. They called him Joe from the Bay. He was very much loved in that area. And it was recorded that he had saved um, about 29 or more lives. So he was very amazing. And in 1910... They were so pleased with what he did because he didn't even live in a house. He lived in a little tent and then he built himself a little cottage that was close to the bay. And so they decided they gave him an address. They gave him a gold watch and a check to pay for all his services for saving all those people. And when he passed away in 1922, he had a record breaking funeral is what they said, because everybody came from everywhere. And they loved him so much. And then in 1927, to to remember him in his honor, they built this beautiful fountain that says all the children loved him. And the fountain was named after him. And it's found in Alexandra Park in British Columbia. And then they created restaurants and named libraries after him and he they even gave him in 1982 citizen of the century award in in his honor now i don't know if he had any children or stuff that that would carry on his legacy or keep his memory alive but it seems down in british columbia they do keep his memory alive a lot so that is wonderful and the fact that he was teaching these children how to swim and do all these things just just because he did it out of the love of his heart. And I always respect people who do things like that out of the love of what they do, you know, just like I love reading to you and teaching you guys about your black history, Canadian black history. Now, I am going to be reading this wonderful story called Aunt Luce's Talking Paintings. Now, the reason why I chose this story is two reasons. Number one, a dear friend of mine, um, Ken Daly, he drew the pictures and he does such beautiful art. 
Um, he only has one picture on Instagram, but I hope after re after me reading this, he looks into showing more of his art because he does amazing work. The other reason why is my very best friend of many, many years. She's from Haiti and she she's all she means a lot to me and her birthday is coming up this week and i wish her a happy birthday you guys can call her auntie d and um i thought it would be nice to read to her and what is nice is there are a few um sentences in there that are um haitian creole and i don't know haitian creole at all and she was so sweet enough to teach me how to pronounce these words. So I hope I do her good by pronouncing them properly and and making it sound good and just telling her I love you. Do you ever have a best friend that you love very much? It's always wonderful to have a good friend because a good friend will teach you and another good friend would also learn about their culture and learn about their things and stuff like that. And she's willing to teach me. And I love that so much about her. So I hope you have a best friend like mine where you can learn all these things. So now we're going to read Aunt Luce's talking painting. And it's supposed to be about a little girl, a girl who remembers going to Haiti to visit her aunt. And it's written by Francie Latour. And I want to say hi to Francie Latour. She's now following me on Instagram. And I found this story absolutely beautiful. And the pictures are absolutely beautiful. And I hope you guys look into getting this book. So here we go. Aunt Luce's Talking Paintings. In my mother's bedroom, behind the family pictures and the jar that holds her wedding day flowers, a painting sits and on a shelf. It's a painting of me, my eyes almost closed like I'm dreaming. My braids hang like coal colored ropes. My face fills the frame, so big and so close that if you look long enough, it starts to look like a whole land. Brown hills melting into yellow valleys, melting into red river beads, and even the river's silver light running smooth over the rocks. When I think back to the first time my Auntie Luz painted me, I lose myself in the memory of people and places she brings to me with her brushes, fortresses in high cliffs and crayon-colored boats by the sea, gingerbread houses and coconuts poked with straws for coconut water. When I want to hear the stories of Haiti, the place where my mother was born, I talk to Aunt Luce's painting. The paintings always talk back. My mother says I was too young to remember Aunt Luce's painting me. You were only seven. But I do remember. It is December, the time of year when I leave the snow and snowman making behind. I step onto an airplane and when I step off again, a wall of heat wraps my body, instantly warms my blood. Inside the airport, Aunt Luce waves to me, 
to waves me to her, and the metal bracelets along her arms start to sing. My first question is always the same. Can I sit for you, Auntie Luce? Will you paint me this time, please? Tisusu, she says, cupping my cheeks but not answering my question. She opens the trunk and makes room for my suitcase, pushing the pallets and clinking jars to one side. Then we drive through the city streets and familiar scenes fly by my open window. There go the boys selling water ice by the pink cathedral. There go the market women balancing fruit baskets on their heads. There go the tap-tap buses painted with soccer stars and signs that say, Sigini Nui. We are the children of Guinea, of West Africa. Soon the city falls under our feet and fog carpets the mountain and road to the house. As we climb the hills, a question comes to me. When mom left for the States, why didn't you come? Your mother and I are different, Jitsu, she says. When I close my eyes for good, I want Haiti to be the last thing I see. I help bring in the easel and sacks filled with paint and tubes and rags. Auntie Luce doesn't waste any time quizzing me on last year's lessons. Haiti, the land of the mountains, that was the name of this place before the Europeans came. She snaps the vanilla bean into a pot of oatmeal. Before the Spanish and the French, before, before, your mother. She doesn't tell you these stories. At home, my parents play old Kunpa records with friends late into the night. They argue over how Haiti got broken and how it can be fixed. My brother and I listen from the top of the stairs. They tell stories about crooked presidents and bad armies. And I say, is that true? Auntie Lou slides a placemat onto the table and sets down the bowl. The truth is a hard thing to untangle, she says. Like a big knot of yarn to tell the truth about this place, this tiny, tiny place. You have to look at its strong, powerful neighbor. You have to look at America. We put black mushroom in a pot to soak for dinner. Then we tie on our smocks and take a familiar walk down the stone path, past the chickens and the garden of two black flowers with Aunt Luce's studio. Inside, Haiti's heroes greet me. Bilar and Flan, her head wrapped in white, her needle stitching a new flag to, for a free nation, I see Desilins and Louverture, the general who found a way to win and force Napoleon back across the ocean. You remember what Louverture means, she asks. I can never forget the opening, I say, the man who opened the way. My own heroes are here, too. My grandfather, the tailor who made suits for the businessmen in town, 
My great-grandmother, who wore her hair, parted in two buns and went blind from old age. In these paintings could talk. I wonder what they would tell me. With my slow, broken creole, would they know I am their daughter? Chita, she says, pulling a metal stool to the middle of the floor. And when the moment comes, when I finally sit for my first portrait, I realize something. Wanting to be painted is one thing. Sitting still to be painted is another. I could feel my legs twitching and then my arms. To keep my neck from tilting, I stop talking and my jaw locks. For a while, the painting knife and my auntie singing bracelets, the only sounds in the room. Do you know why I paint, Tishu? She asks after a long silence. I've never thought about that. Because you're good at it? She laughs deep in her throat, then mixes more reds and browns. Because Haiti is so beautiful, I ask. Not always, she says. Sometimes it's almost too hard to look at. I paint to remember what I've seen and heard and smelled and felt. The balconies wrapped around the houses which seem to go on forever. The fists pounding on the neighborhood doors and sending people into hiding. To paint Haiti takes the darkest colors and the brightest ones and all the colors in between. In two days of sitting, Auntie Luce paints me from many different angles. Oh, on one easel, I can see myself turned completely to the side. In my face, I see colors I've never seen in a mirror. The caramel in my great-grandmother's skin and the deep berry in my grandfather's. I see the colors of metal roofs over the house with no upstairs or downstairs. I see the ash of earthquake dust from that time. The ground shook and opened up. Auntie Luce says our faces are like maps. I can trace yours halfway around the world. From the kingdoms of Benin to the sugarcane fields that turned into battlefields where we fought to the death for our freedom, she says, all the way to this room in this light. I gathered the brushes in a rag and follow my aunt to the washroom. Over the sink, I let the colors bleed together in the water, ash to cocoa to rust, butterscotch to nut, nut, and nut to clay. You paint to remember Haiti, I said, but I don't feel Haitian enough. Sometimes I don't even feel American enough. Auntie Luce holds out her hands. Try not to think of it as one or the other, but both together, she says. You were born outside, that's true, but you hold this place in your skin, deep in your bones. Colors do not lie. Her hands remind me of my mother's, lean but oh so strong. Brown on brown, she folds mine into hers. I wonder what my hands will do when I'm older. I wonder what stories they will tell. Can I take it home, Aunt Luce? Can I keep that portrait? Tissue, she says. It's yours. These colors, this 
these this people, this place belong to you and you belong to them always. The end. That was a beautiful story. I absolutely love it. Now, before I go, I have a contest. And if you guys go to my site, www.antistories.com, there will be, um, they'll, under contest, there will be a page and you will draw a picture of yourself. Wonderful You is what the contest is called. Um, later this week, actually on Saturday, this Saturday, as I, after I post a Saturday evening or Sunday morning, I will post a video of myself giving you the rules and instructions. So the contest will start June 1st and will end June 30th. And I will let you know what the prizes are. Okay. You guys have a wonderful t day, a wonderful week, and we will talk soon. And remember, I am proud to be black. Because black looks good on me. Bye.